to Align, Don't Hustle, bringing you inspiration for alignment and abundance in your life and business. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we live, work and play. We encourage everyone to learn about and celebrate the rich and diverse First Nations cultures. I'm Matilda, co-founder of Myoni. And at Myoni, we want to improve how people feel about periods and flow with the four phases of their menstrual cycle. We're also huge advocates for identifying flow in other areas of our lives, using our passions to help guide the way we build our lives and businesses. That's why we created Align Don't Hustle. In this podcast, we share the stories and learnings of people creating a life they love. We found that while building Myoni, when we stopped pushing the proverbial uphill and stopped hustling for the sake of it, we were able to step back, make better decisions, listen to our gut, align with our heart, womb, whole being, and our menstrual cycles. To learn more about Myoni and sign up to our email, visit myoni.love. Now, on with the show. In this episode, I chat to Stephanie. She is the amazing brains behind the Very Good Bra. Stephanie has a fabulous story to tell from surviving breast cancer to creating a bra that is not only beautiful, compostable, waste-free, but is made to fill a demand for soft underwire-free bras that didn't exist when she was looking for one when she was going through her cancer treatment. So we talk about her business journey and the lessons she's learnt along the way, as well as how her passion for a better planet and slow fashion has made her a force for change in the face of overwhelming use of polyester and fast fashion. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining me. It's exciting to talk to you today. I wanted to get to know you a bit better and understand kind of the background to how you got to be making the very good bra. Yes, well, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on, first of all, and congratulations on what you're doing. Um, yes, mine is a very um, circuitous story. So I, I, first of all, became involved in bras when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2006, and I was unable to find a non-wide bra in a proper cup size and a natural fibre um, to get me through chemo and radiotherapy and I went to buy non-wire bras and I'm, I'm kind of tiny but I, I'm a size eight but I have you know I have breasts um, and the only ones that I could find that were actually in cup sizes were maternity bras and I'd just been told I'd never have kids after chemo so it was a hugely confronting thing for me and I, I felt very strongly that as a woman and, and as a consumer um, I just disappeared off the map. So it, it really stuck with me for a long time. Um, and then it wasn't really till about five years later when I actually, funnily enough, found myself in another shop in front of another uh, pack of beautiful looking bras that turned out to be maternity bras. And I spoke to the assistant, I explained I'd had breast cancer and I was a bit puffy and scarred and I needed something soft. And she said, there's nothing for people like you. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. and that was quite a moment and I just thought oh good lord I mean that sounded really bad is it just me or is that a really bad thing so I I really felt that at that point I wanted to I wanted to change the experience for other women going through it if I could do particularly for younger women 
because um, it's so hard to go through all of that treatment and you know you're, you're frightened for your life you've you've lost your complete identity with your hair and your eyebrows and everything the last thing you want to be doing is wearing a sports bra oh, <laughs> so. absolutely and that's such a pivotal thing that no one really thinks about until you're in that position like that's yeah. something that's provided or thought about but they, they exactly. affect you deeply as to how you you feel that's yeah absolutely everything about your life has changed beyond all recognition so to then have to also wear clothes that are not things you would normally choose to wear is just another you know sort of slap across the face so so i started working with some friends i found some people who got in, were involved in the bra industry started making some bras um managed to get into the, the semi-finals of um livestrong's uh, big C competition for innovation for people going through cancer treatment to improve the quality of life. Um, on the back of that, I got a, a backer um, and I set up a business. This business was called Bras Without Wires. Uh, and it all seemed amazing. It's like my whole dream had come true and I was leading up to this thing and, and here I was. And then as these things often happen, the relationship with the backer soured pretty quickly. We'd raced into it and it wasn't working for either of us, so had to get out. Um, couldn't agree a new deal with a new investor. And so in June 2016, I found myself putting the business into liquidation, oh, which nice. was just oh, no, devastating. So oh. I'd launched it and the first three months were really great, but I couldn't get that deal across the line. And, and I just felt like it was the end of the world. And, you know, I'd lost the best idea I'd ever had. And, um, and it was a complete failure and I'd never succeed at anything again in life, as you do uh, in life. Yeah. <laughs> Got to pick yourself up somehow, but it's hard. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just so happened that fate delivered me that particular week, um, a guy called Bert Van Son, who was out here for sustainable brands. And he runs a Dutch circular economy jeans brand where they're completely recyclable. And I'd never heard of the circular economy at that point. And he said, you know, you're, you're making things with organic cotton. You should look into this for what you're doing. And, and suddenly I, it just, it was like a light went on. And I thought, actually, I lost that business for a reason, because as passionate as I am about non-wire bras, there's a much bigger issue here when you look at the industry and the waste in the industry. And, you know, if we assume that half the population wears a bra every day, that's at least 2 billion people on the planet wearing bras, which are made of polyester and again, lasting landfill for, for 200 years. So I decided I was going to make the world's first circular economy bra, as Fantastic. you do. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought that wouldn't be so hard. And of course it was really, really hard. Um, <laughs> because unlike a pair of jeans, which is a big thing that you can then into a machine and break down and make new yarn out of a bras nine different pieces of materials and they're small bits and it being next to your body it's an intimate and does anyone really want a recycled intimate i don't know um and the same again later on that year 2016 i was coming back from christmas in europe with my family and Trump had just been elected as president yep. and women were burning their bras in the streets in the US. Yeah. and I Wow. And then at the same time, people in Delhi in India were um, burning rubbish to, to stay warm because it was freezing and they were dying in dozens because the, the fumes that they were ingesting was so toxic that it was killing them. And at that time, I just really realized that what I needed to create was not something that was circular in the recyclable sense, but something that would 
burn or bury at the end of life and leave absolutely no trace. And so that's what I decided to do to make it a really a zero waste product. So it was botanically circular rather than recyclable. Absolutely. So that's how it came about. Oh, what an amazing story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so so it's it's interesting, you know, we I know your program is about alignment and how you yeah. you know you feel your alignment is strongly one day. I had a corporate career before breast cancer, never really loved it if I'm honest. Just it was something I fell into that paid well and and I had that alignment because of breast cancer and then you know you think you've kind of lost the whole thing again and then something else comes along which actually is is your true purpose and ever since I've found that path it's felt like I'm absolutely on the right path right now oh what an amazing feeling and I know people are searching for that but you have had to come across that path in in different ways and build your your, I guess your repertoire (laughs) before you get to that point (laughs) yeah yeah it it takes a look it's been an enormously difficult journey because bra making is actually really technical and if you're not from that sort of background but I also think that it helps because you know people who are in the industry think that's too hard we can't do it it's going to take five years to do that whereas if you don't know anything you think oh I can do it (laughs) absolutely and when you're driving something that you're passionate about five years can can go by pretty quickly (laughs) yeah yeah but absolutely I mean in the end it probably took me about two years but I I think that you know if you know if you knew how hard it was going to be you'd never start anything it's only because you're completely coming out of it from a position of absolutely not knowing anything that you think oh how hard can that be i must be able to do that (laughs) why has nobody done it before exactly (laughs) no and you do you've got to do that to prove prove them wrong that that it can be done i think that's fantastic (laughs) yeah yeah so, so yeah, I decided, and I wasn't sure whether it was just me or whether other people would be interested in this product. So I did this, I decided to launch it via a Kickstarter. Yes, um, fantastic. 2018, which was a really good way to do it because you can actually really test the market for a product. Yeah. Because um, I think my friends and my family just thought I was bonkers, really, you know, mm, compostable bra, really? Great. Yeah. That sounds great. Mm. Um, not really understanding as much as we know even now about you know, textile waste and your programs like War on Waste have made us much more aware of, of you know, that we're throwing away 600,000 tonnes of textiles into landfill in this yeah. country every year. So, it is, it is so we're much more aware now. And we are. Crazy. I think it's, it's really quite a recent um, understanding. People are becoming much more aware because of those kinds of campaigns, but also because of the products that you're, you know, people that you are creating. It actually brings yeah. people's awareness around those issues. Around yeah. your, your Kickstarter campaign, what were some of the learnings or some of the interesting things you, you found around doing that? Because um, it is, it's a testing for the, for the marketplace. And I wondered how receptive they were when you first put that, put that idea out. Yeah, look, it, it, really, it really flew. I was amazed. Um, I think there was something of a novelty factor about it. It got picked up by a lot of international publications who just heard someone else had covered it and thought, you know, zero waste bra how odd um and the fact that it was a breast cancer survivor had done it they kind of quite liked the story so um i think for for me you know working with someone quite strong on the pr side to get that story out was great but then once it went out there it it had a life of its own you know it just i was in magazines in england i've never even heard of because it (laughs) happened to be in 
Huffington Post UK and somebody else just decided to cover the story. So, so I was lucky in that, in that sense where I, you know, what you do learn from these things is that, um, it's probably best to get your product completely refined before you start. So I didn't even get the hooks and eyes organized till about the middle of the Kickstarter campaign. And I didn't really know what everything cost. Um, you know, cause I just, I'd been involved with another business and extricating myself from that. I'd gone into this very quickly without having anything finalized on what the bar would actually cost. So I sold it much, much too cheaply. Um, (laughs) And, you know, and I didn't make a cent, you know, I I literally, we sold 80 odd thousand dollars worth of bras and I didn't make a cent. Everyone else got paid, but me. So, you know, there's, there's huge learning about that in terms of, you know, sustainability has to be not just about the product, but also about has to be able to sustain me as a business person too, um, so I can carry on doing it. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's more and more people are understanding why things cost the way they do and um, are prepared to put money towards certain products that they're willing to invest in, particularly that lifestyle, life cycle of a product. Um, yeah. I'm finding that much more, and I'm sure you are as well, that it is a little bit more, but if you can afford to pay a little bit more, then then you should do that because that's what in the end keeps these businesses going and growing. It's it's driven completely by the, the customer demand for the product. Um, and that's going to bring down the pricing in the end. So the more demand there is for tree rubber elastic, you know, I'm not the only person doing it, then, you know, that price will come down. But at the moment it is, it's expensive and I understand completely it's not attainable for everybody. But I think what it's, what is interesting and it might be the same with yours is that people buy, buy less, but they they buy more carefully. So they might just buy one or two bras a year, whereas the average woman buys, you know, four to six bras a year. But that's good. They'll still come back because they like your product and they believe in it and they feel, you know, that it adds to their purpose, I guess, as well as, um, you know, being a product that they're going to wear. Absolutely. And I think more and more people are building, um, I guess, a, a repertoire across whether it's things that they wear or things that they use in their household that are, they put a lot of value um, monetary but also emotional towards so they want to buy something that's beautiful well crafted and they will keep that for a long period of time um, whether it's the minimalist movement driving that but I think there's a, a sense that we need to get back to basics a little bit more so yeah Absolutely. I, I agree with that uh, and I I feel as well during this you know the pandemic which goodness we could never ever have anticipated anything <laughs> like this but, I don't know how you're feeling, but I, 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 you know, apart from three or four days there where I didn't sell anything and I thought that's the end of it in the middle of March, sales have really come back very strongly. And I, I think that as a society, we've, we've kind of had enough. We, we want to shop by our values um, mm. more. And particularly in this country after bushfires, you know, before we even got to COVID, you know, and the link between the choices that we make and what we buy and how that can actually contribute to climate change and to bushfires is, is very vivid this year. And, and I think that people are more values and purpose driven as shoppers and just more careful, which is great. That's right. I think that that awareness is certainly heightened, particularly for us at the moment with, with, with seeing that climate change is so real for, for our communities. Absolutely. Mm. Now, I wonder how you run your business and um, align, I guess, the other parts of your life as well. It's really interesting to hear from people how, um, what sort of things they've learnt along the journey about how they might do things differently or things that have worked for them. 
Yeah. Look, I work from home because there isn't an option to, you know, it's such a capital intensive business, what I do. Um, the way that I run the business is on this pre-sale model, which has worked really well for me because having had two backers in the past that really didn't understand what I was trying to do and weren't on the same path, um, it allows me to keep my arms around it and keep control of it. And actually my customers are amazing in that way. So we've had some COVID delays. So we've had people buy bras in February that are actually not going to be delivered till August now. They should have been here in May, but, but my customers are happy to, you know, to wait. They understand it's a slow fashion movement. It's yeah. not a fast fashion movement. So, so as a business model, that's really worked for me. I think people really trust you. And I think the Kickstarter helps create that foundation of people who are fans and you know 30 to 50 percent of my customers come back and buy more which is great um in terms of how i manage it you know it's exhausting <laughs> because you're you're always on as you know and um what's a challenge for me at the moment is that my factory is in sri lanka and all my suppliers are in europe so i get through the day and then just when everyone's knocking off sri lanka's you know on the email and urgently need this and europe's kicking in so the hours can be quite long, but what that does mean for me is that I absolutely carve out time every morning for myself and I have some very rigid disciplines that I do. Um, and I'm very lucky to live just right by Bondi Beach. Um, so I go down there every day and I practice 10 minutes gratitude, uh, just doggedly nice. focusing on that. I do, I run two laps of the beach um, and I do a 10 minute meditation. And that's kind of non-negotiable for me, even if, I mean, unless the weather's absolutely dreadful, but I just feel that for me, and particularly having been through a, you know, a life-threatening illness like cancer, you, you know that the most important thing is your health. And um, so I'm really careful to keep some of those components in my life. So even if I go right the way through and forget to eat and all those things, I've done the foundation work in the morning. Uh, awesome. I think that's a big lesson for everyone is making that a non-negotiable, finding out what it is that works for you and, and do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 No excuses. No, no, that's right. <laughs> it's hard, but something we need to work on. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I've got a few quick fire questions I ask everybody. What's sure. the one thing you can't leave home without? Oh, that's terrible. It's my iPhone. <laughs> And I have a new iPhone 11 and it's, you know, the size of an iPad. So, but no, I, I don't typically leave home without that. Mainly because now in COVID, it's my wallet as well. I pay for everything on the thing. So, so yeah, sadly it's an iPhone. No, I'm finding that more and more everything's on my phone. So yeah, I agree. It's hard. <laughs> and you, you probably just answered this, but your favorite thing to do to unwind. Oh, um, Actually, I, I also love, so in addition to my, my daily stuff, I also love to mountain bike. And, oh, um, yeah. Really beautiful way to get out and be out in the country or to hike. Um, and I also have just started skiing in the last couple of years. I'm not very good, but it's an amazing flow activity that all you can think about is where you're going next. And you can't think about the factory in Sri Lanka or anything like that. So, so yeah, I have some fun things like that that I do. Nice. That's it. It's a meditative process in itself. <laughs> It's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, then where's your favourite place to get inspiration? I think 
it's really down at my beach, you know, it's, it's inspiration in every way. Every, every moment it's different, you know, I'm so inspired by the beauty of it and the fact that the waves are different every day and the clouds are different every day. And, you know, there's this incredible sense of, of gratitude and, you know, humility that comes with seeing that natural beauty, which is, you know, everything about what informs what we do. Um, and also it inspires me to be better because, you know, last week there was a day where we had those massive storms and there were 90 mile an hour winds. And I saw 10 single use plastic masks mm. on the beach. I've never seen that before. And you just think, oh, here we go, you know. Or I see seagulls plucking away at bits of polystyrene. And so mm. I go up, you know, because we had a polystyrene influx. So I go around picking them all up for several days. So it inspires me because of its beauty, but it also inspires me to do better because when I see, you know, the man-made disasters on the beach, and it's a pretty clean beach, but there's always bits of plastic, um, really makes me think that we just have to do better and absolutely carry on doing what we're doing. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely. You do get those reminders every now and again, don't you? And just in a place that you love and something that's so beautiful, we do need to look after it. And, and you're right with the, with now we're using all of these throwaway masks. We've got another, an issue to talk, to think about. Yeah. I couldn't believe it when I saw them, you know, just honestly 10 really. And it was so windy. I literally couldn't stop and pick them up. So, but they've gone now. They're probably off somewhere else in Tasmania. Yeah. And what is your favorite design that you've created? Um, Liberty for sure. So you yeah. want <laughs> just simply because, you know, by nature of what I make, there aren't a whole heap of different materials that I can use. I mean, I love tensile, I love organic cotton. Um, but to be able to work with Liberty to Liberty Fabrics to create um, an organic cotton knit in a weight that I could use the very good bra took about 18 months. But they really wanted to do it. The rep here was amazing and he really worked hard with Liberty to get this happening so that even though it's just another organic cotton knit, it can be printed with any one of thousands of Liberty's, you know, iconic, beautiful designs. So I love that print and it's a new style for us. It's got a little V-wire in the front, which is is really great in the larger sizes. And I think it's the best bra I've ever made. So I'm very excited about it. So yeah, I'd like to do more pretty things if I can. And as more materials become available, I will. But for now, it's Liberty oh. going on October when they land. Oh, it's brilliant. I, I love it too. It looks beautiful. So that's so exciting. And exciting to have a collaboration with such a big name too. That's awesome. Yeah literally just dream come true because ever since I was making my own clothes at 12 and I went to Liberty of London oh. to the shop and went to that fabric department and oh my goodness it's just like heaven on earth so it is a real a really nice little circular story and I'm very excited about it. Oh congratulations that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I wondered if there were any other lessons or learnings you've found along the way that sort of pop out at you and think any, any people going through business or even just in life um, that you'd like to pass on? Yeah, look, in life, I'd like to pass on, could people stop buying polyester? Sure. Um, <laughs> I think that's really, really important because polyester is plastic and we've all stopped buying plastic bottles. So can we just, you know, try and not buy polyester because it, it's a horrible fabric and it lasts for, for 200 years in um in landfill so if we if we can do that um the the other thing is really i guess just to it's easy to say follow your passion but i think 
you know, that is hard and we've all got responsibilities and things that we need to do, but life can also be short. We have no idea what's going to be around the next corner. And someone once said to me, um, luck is when life says jump and you jump. And I think that's very true because it's a real conscious act there. So if you feel that there's something that, you know, you possibly can do, you, you've kind of got to take a bit of a leap of faith to, to make it happen and to try and make it happen. And I think from personal experience, I've also got to say that, you know, you're going to fail. Uh, success is the ability to go through failure and failure without giving up, uh, which I think was something Winston Churchill once said. Um, and it's absolutely true. You know, you, you think you're on this path and you think you're doing it and then it changes and, you know, it's going to change many times. So, so don't be reckless, but also, you know, don't, don't give up you know keep exploring ideas and keep you know working on your purpose and and if there's a path there to follow that you will actually find it I think oh I've got warm and fuzzies I love it thank you <laughs> I think is that warm and fuzzies or woman fuzzies oh, that, oh both yeah absolutely <laughs> I think Good. that's um, a bit of a talk not a talking to but a, a gentle reminder for everyone that absolutely we need to take those risks when they feel yeah. when it feels hard sometimes there's awesome things on the other side but it can yeah. be difficult yeah. and you're yeah. yeah a great example of that i really um appreciate your time today because it's such an awesome um product i, I remember seeing it go through the kickstarter and that was exciting but now to see it out in the world is just awesome and to know that it's oh. um it's happening for you is really great so thank yeah. you <laughs> thank you well thank you so much for having me on that's really nice and congratulations on what you do and um, um delighted to be here look forward thank to you. seeing how you go yeah thanks so much oh thank you so much All Stephanie right. okay thank you